Hi, welcome to the Mid-Kid Mama podcast. I'm Alethea Middleton and I blog as Mid-Kid Mama. I've been working on this blog and podcast for a while now. The podcast, I wasn't totally sure if I was going to publish. Um, I found an easy platform, so I've just been kind of throwing them out there and seeing if they stick. I'm covering topics that I find interesting and hopefully you will too. The first several weeks, I spent time talking about Curly Girl and the Curly Girl Method. Um, That's just taking care of your hair with no shampoo and no silicones or waxes in your products. And it's kind of complicated, so it's an easier topic to talk about in person. So I figured the podcast might be a great place to start with that. Um, But I want to move on to other topics. And one of the topics I wanted to talk about was decluttering. Um, If you listened to the last episode, we were talking about how to get started decluttering as a pack rat. But I want to jump off for a little bit to talk about a different topic that's pretty relevant right now and continues to be relevant. I'd like to talk about getting ready for disasters or prepping. Growing up, I lived in a house where we prepared for everything to kind of fall apart. So prepping became part of normal life um, and that included everything from thinking about water to getting generators and being ready for most scenarios that could happen. My parents did this probably more, especially towards the end of of me staying in their house, so it wasn't necessarily in my childhood, but they got really into it to a level that might be what you'd think of when you hear prepper. I'm taking this more as a being ready for the scenarios that you very likely will face. I remember when I was not sure exactly how old, there was a big ice storm and it knocked out a bunch of power lines and we didn't have the ability to go around and move and go places for seven or eight days or something like that. And it made it really hard because we didn't have heat, which we had a wood burning stove, so that helped. We didn't have access to any of the power in our house for a few days and uh, some friends had a generator so we shared that with different families and that helped like keep food in the fridge from going bad and it helped if we needed to like like charge a laptop or something for a little bit. Um, but it was very limited on what we could do and my mom always had a lot of food around our house so the food wasn't an issue. But a lot of people don't really think like that. and. So with the recent events, there's been some issues with um, the new virus going around and I'm sure that'll change over time. It's kind of always something. But with those kinds of things, uh, when everybody's looking at possibly facing a disaster, there's a real question of how ready would you be? It's smart to have things on hand. We always prep to some degree. So if you think about, you don't just buy one roll of toilet paper you probably buy like eight rolls of toilet paper or maybe even 16 rolls and you might stick some in a closet somewhere until you kind of start to run out and then you replace those. So there's a lot of food and a lot of toiletries and different things that you might have an extra one of on hand. You don't think of it as being ready for a disaster. For you, it's probably more like, well, I don't want to have to run to the store just to get a roll of toilet paper. We've all been there. We run out of diapers and we were just at the store yesterday, but we forgot diapers, you know. So prepping just means thinking ahead about the stuff you need and some people take it to a whole other level they will vacuum seal grains and noodles and and things to keep them for years they will can their meat and i mean you can go all out i i even 
know that you can add bleach to your water and keep big barrels of water on hand in case you lose access to water. And there's lots of things. Some people store up aluminum blankets. They keep batteries and flashlights and radios. I mean, you're going to have to decide to what level you want to be prepared, but I think any level is going to be something. And so let's say with the most recent issue that they say, hey, we don't want anybody to travel for a week. Well, how, how realistic is that? Right, do you have water on hand? Do you have food set aside that's not going to go bad if you lose power in an ice storm? Or if you can't travel for a week, are you going to have access to food that's um, somewhat filling and nutritious for your family? Many people don't keep extras on hand, or at least not enough extras to make meals for several days. Um, something that you can do, though, is start thinking ahead about what lasts long term and what can you keep stored just in case. The important thing with small short-term prepping is that you don't create a storage that goes bad over time. So let's say you put a whole bunch of cans of soup in the pantry and forget about it for a couple years. Well, those are going to expire. Now, maybe in a huge disaster situation, you would eat something like that. But as far as for regular, you know, if, if you have an ice storm, you're not going to want to eat a can of soup that expired a year ago and you're not super sure if it's okay to eat and it could make you sick. So it's going to be important to keep things in rotation that you would normally use but that ha have slightly longer expiration dates and maybe are easier to, to prep. If, if we look at the numbers that have been reported, there are a lot of people who just really aren't ready for any kinds of disasters. Um, if you live near a hurricane area, or tornadoes, or ice storms, or, or even fires, you know that those kinds of things can happen pretty quickly and people will get stuck. With the viruses going around, um, we've been cleared out of toilet paper, and hand wipes, and sanitizer, hand sanitizer, and different supplies multiple times because people are kind of in a panic mode right now, and now they're stocking up. Anytime's a good time to start prepping, but you the goal is to have that, that supply available all the time so that if something happened, you're already in a pretty good place. If everybody did that, then if something did happen, there would be fewer people facing emergency situations. Not every single person is gonna be able to do this because maybe some people don't even have homes that they can store things in or very tight on space. But honestly, even with five extra dollars in your budget, you can start prepping to some level. And when they did studies on um, in the census, they asked people how ready they were. And some people kept water. Um, it's close to like 50% of people that kept wa extra water on hand. At least three gallons for each person in the household is the recommendation. Um, Non-perishable food. 81% said they had extra canned goods or non-perishable food for emergencies. Um, but then the numbers drop down when you look at more, more intensive things, like having a generator. Only 18% of people say they have a generator. I don't have a generator, honestly. Um, it's something I'd love to get at some point, but those are expensive. So there can be all levels of prepping. Having the basics on hand is what's going to be important in case there is something like stay home for a week or if things get bad and people kind of panic. I think that panic is probably the biggest threat we face just because I see that going downhill faster than the viruses or the natural disasters. But I mean, it, it, who knows? 
So if we can focus on what we don't have on hand, then adding just a few things to your list every week is really how you can get a storage supply going of, of supplies and, and things you need if something were to go wrong. Um, I'm writing a blog post right now to cover some of the items that I'm keeping on hand. Um, the first thing would be to consider different scenarios that could realistically occur, uh, whether it's sickness, um, acts of terrorism, shortages, weather issues, can't travel, too sick to leave, those kinds of things are what, are you, what you want to prep for. You want to think about the different scenarios and what you might need to have on hand. So while it might be great to have an extra bottle of shampoo and conditioner on hand, those aren't the top of the list items. Those are like, hey, this would make my life a little more comfortable if we ran into an issue. I keep extra shampoo and conditioner on hand, just like most people keep toilet paper on hand where it's like I don't really want to have to just run to the store and you and buy it at whatever deal. So I buy things when they're a little bit on sale and I buy three or four bottles and I stick them in my, my pantry, but those aren't essentials. The things you really want to focus on are having food. So if you think about pantry food, you might be surprised at what foods actually last a really long time and what will expire within a few months. Um, crackers don't tend to last that long. Canned goods, Pop-Tarts, um, popcorn, those are things that last a long time. They're not really nutritious, so a lot of people don't keep a lot of that on hand if they're into home cooking. Um, so that can kind of be an issue, but the good thing is, is if you buy something that has a long expiration date, a lot of shelf foods um, that have those kinds of expiration dates might last a whole year or two years before they say it's, it'd be better to use it. Um, if you buy something like that, let's say Pop-Tarts, you don't have to use them each week. You can buy Pop-Tarts and you have them as a fun snack after two or three months and replace them. If that, so if that makes sense, you want to keep these things in rotation, but you also want to have things you don't have to swap out every single week because they're going bad. Part of having this um, emergency food and things on hand is you want it to be able to last for the amount of time you need it to if something goes wrong. If things are going to expire the next week and you have to be in the house for two weeks or three weeks, now you are going to run into an issue just with food going bad so or if you forget about it again the food can go bad so when it comes to these foods check your expiration dates kind of have an idea of what they are and then try to pick things that you're going to um, use in your own normal menus so we keep on hand rice oatmeal um, quinoa ramen noodles those are things that I use if not weekly, maybe bi-weekly or at least once a month. And I can easily store them. They're dried foods. They last a long time. Certain kinds of noodles are the same way. And I can keep them in my store area. And then when I'm ready to use rice, I will go get what I need from the store and I'll just replace out what's in the storage. And this is another really important thing. So you have these different items you want to replace them before, or you want to buy them for replacement before you use them. So just like on a normal day, if you were going to make rice and chicken, you would go to the store and buy rice and chicken. 
Well, when you bring that home, you could decide to get out your frozen chicken, because we'll talk about frozen um, foods you can save, and you get out your rice from the, your storage closet, and then you put the items you just purchased into storage. So now you have those fresh items that are going into storage and extending the dates that are, you know, your prep stuff. So if that makes sense, the goal then is to have something constantly on hand, but still in rotation. And the difference with that is sometimes with prepping, it's easy, and I've done this before, so this is why I'm kind of bringing it up. It's easy to kind of go crazy and be like, oh, we need all this extra stuff in case something goes wrong because I'm scared of, you know, this happening. And then we stick it all in a closet or a pantry or a um, freezer or something, and we leave it there, and after like a year or two, when we're thinking about it again, we're like, oh, that's kind of old. It's kind of gross. I don't know if it, you know, it might be stale or, or freezer burned or whatever. I don't know if I can even eat it. And now you've wasted time and money and food and it's just kind of silly. And it sounds silly, but I'm telling you it's so easy to do because life gets in the way and if it's not part of your rotation, it's just out of sight, out of mind and you're not thinking about it. And in your mind, you're thinking, well, that's there in case of an emergency. But you kind of forget that things go bad like that. So, and you don't realize sometimes how fast time passes. You might think, didn't I just put that in there? And it's two years old, for, you know. I, in the back of my freezer, I just dug out a couple things, that, like some old meat for the dog that was a couple years old and I had just forgotten it was back in there. We do have a standalone freezer. I think that's like a Midwest thing. Um, you kind of have to have a separate freezer so that you can put all of your meat and frozen vegetables and extra things in there. There's no way I could get everything into one regular half freezer. So I grew up with an extra freezer and an extra refrigerator freezer in the garage. Um, I did grow up in a slightly bigger family. Our family, we have four kids. So as they get older, it's going to require more space just to hold things. But I guess that's kind of a normal Midwest thing. So when I talk about putting things in my freezer, I might have a little more space than some people, but it's still doable. Um, it just... And that's, that's another thing you're going to have to look out with prepping, is look at your spaces. Do you have a lot of pantry space? Do you have a lot of basement, cooler air space? Do you have maybe um, a freezer that you can put things in or an extra refrigerator? It's, you know, there's a garage space. There's just different ways you can store things for different places. The big thing is to keep things as cool and dark and dry as possible because light moisture and air is what makes things go bad so um, when it comes to the pantry prepping I actually bought just a big locking tote like not like key locking but like the sides clip so that the handles kind of lock down the lid and I bought that big plastic Tupperware tote thing um, so that I could put all my dry food in there that I didn't want to get either wet or accidentally opened or maybe a mouse would get into it. I don't, I mean, some of this stuff, I don't even think mice would bug too much, but if, if we happen to, you know, I don't, we don't have any mice right now, but you know what I mean? Like you don't want pests, you don't want things to get into it, bugs, whatever. And if you just leave food out, you can attract things like that. So it's really important to be mindful of how you're storing that stuff, especially if it's in a separate closet in your house where you don't normally have food stored. We have a closet that can serve as kind of this disaster pantry for the extra things. And so in that big locking 
tote, I can put things like rice and pasta and Pop-Tarts and popcorn and those lightweight things that are in thinner packages that I just want to make sure they're not going to get somehow accidentally messed up or opened. Uh, I keep flour on hand and yeast, things like that can just go right into that tote and then be swapped out as I need them. I also keep um, canned things on hand and those I actually keep in my pantry because I'm less likely to use canned green beans um, than to just use up all my noodles. And so when I'm putting these things in these places, part of what I'm keeping in mind is I don't want to accidentally use up all my noodles and then be like, oh, we're out of noodles, I need to go get more. The goal is that I never run out of certain things. So I'm buying things before I'm using them. And if I keep my noodles down in my regular kitchen, I tend to just use them and then I'm not totally sure all the time what I have and what I don't. If I keep them up in the pantry and I run out one night and I want spaghetti noodles and I think, oh, I'm gonna get them out of the pantry. Now the fact that I'm going up to get them out of the storeroom instead because I'm out in the pantry, it's forcing me to think about, oh, I'm completely out of these. I need to buy a few more boxes the next time I'm at the store. It's not that this stuff's off limit at all. In fact, I want it to be used, but it's just like when you put toilet paper in another closet to force you to remind yourself that you need toilet paper, it's helping you think, oh, that needs to go on the list. And some people might be way more organized than I am, and they may have great lists and great methods for keeping everything on hand and in stock, but I'm not great with lists just because it's kind of an ever-changing process and I maybe I'm just not organized enough. And so this is just another checks and balance system to keep me on track as, you know, when it's something that I definitely want to have on hand. And the more I do this with, um, the more that if I did mess up and run out of rice, then I still have noodles or I still have other options on hand. So it's not that every single thing has to be in my disaster relief closet, but just that I'm keeping a good store of things that I can use. So we've talked a lot about some of the bases for food, like oatmeal and pasta, but there's other things that you need to think about, like vegetables and meat and fruit that can be stored in the pantry and last a long time, and you're going to want to add those to your food bases. So like if you're making rice, chances are you aren't going to just make your family rice. So you need a canned meat or a canned vegetable to go with that rice. But it doesn't just have to be canned. So we'll talk about freezer stuff, like I said. Um, some other things I keep in the pantry are water flavor, um, especially with like electrolytes or vitamins, like Mio or there's store brand generic ones that you can buy that you just put a squeeze or two into a bottle of water and you basically have Gatorade or Powerade. Um, rather than keeping those whole bottles on the shelf of like Gatorade and Powerade, we don't really drink them a lot and so you can actually buy the concentrate and keep that on hand just in case you needed you know let's say you had to be home all week but somebody was really sick with like a flu type or cold type virus and needed lots of water and electrolytes that might make it easier I mean those are the kinds of things like that are personal maybe you never drink Gatorade and that's just not something you'd have in there and I'm sure you'd have other things that I wouldn't have I found a jar of quinoa at Costco and I was really excited about that because it has dried vegetables in it and it would be easy to add to boiling water and get some kind of a filling meal. Those are the kinds of things that just, it's just going to depend on what you find and what your family will or won't eat. 
Other items that might be kept in the food disaster closet would be extra peanut butter, extra cooking oil, salt, pepper, tomato sauce, honey, pancake mix. I have that in my big plastic tote. Syrup is another one. Coffee. I have coffee in a Ziploc bag and I put it in the freezer because it'll just stay fresh in there. And then spices, like keeping one or two of your favorite most versatile spices can be helpful, especially if you go through spices a lot. So that's going to kind of depend on you because you don't really want to keep a spice in the pantry for two years because it took you two years to go through the last one. So um, some things that I like a lot, I will wait until it gets down to like the bottom third before I even buy another one because I know that if I'm in the house for two weeks or three weeks that I'm never going to go through all of that in two or three weeks anyways. So it's, there's no point in having a whole other jar sitting in a pantry for a year. Like I said, cooking oil. So like I keep uh, olive oil or canola oil, like one of those jars on hand that they could substitute for butter in a lot of things too. Again, some of this stuff isn't going to be ideal. I don't love using canned chicken, for example, but if we ran out of options or we were kind of stuck, canned chicken works. Um, same with the oil. I may not choose to put a certain oil into a recipe, but if we're kind of out of options, it's better than not having a butter oil at all. Moving on to the freezer, um, it's really easy to store certain things. Some things are going to like separate and get weird. If you freeze eggs, for example, like before they're cooked or if you freeze like boiled eggs it gets this weird texture um, it's kind of rubbery and grainy at the same time but if you cook them in like a mix like a quiche it's really easy to freeze so if you make a few meals that are frozen and completely cooked then if something did happen you could pull those out of the freezer and they would be pretty much ready to go. Especially if you have like a power issue, that can be really helpful to have things that are already cooked. Um, quiche is one, meatloaf is another one. Um, bread can be baked or cooked and put in the freezer or just bought from the store. I would recommend double bagging some of these things to help cut down on freezer burns. But meat and lunch meat, can uh, the meat can be frozen raw or cooked. Uh, lunch meat can be frozen. Um, I love using frozen peas, so frozen peas or bags of veggies are good to have on hand because they're easy to store and they're easy to make and they're a good source of vegetables if you do need, you know, more green things in your diet during a time where you're kind of stuck. Um, other things that freeze really well are certain soups and stews and chilies freeze as well. You can freeze some water in case you need to like turn your refrigerator into a cooler. When we've lost power in the past, sometimes sticking a bunch of frozen food that you don't care about, like, I mean, like if I want my quiche to thaw and my chili to thaw and I have a few bottles of frozen water, I could stick all that in the refrigerator and it kind of helps it not get um, warm as quickly. It just depends on the, uh, the amount of freezer space you have. And then you want to think about the non-food stuff. Oh, water by itself is, should just be a category. You need jugs of water per person. Um, I like to keep gallons of water on hand and bottled water. I, I don't love using bottled water, to be honest. I'd rather use a reusable bottle. But I highly recommend getting some jugs or gallons or even barrels of water to have on hand. You need enough for each person to drink, but also consider having some extra in case um, you have an issue with the water. If they 
have a boil advisory, which we've had before, and then the power goes out and you can't really boil water easily, I mean, how are you going to handle those kinds of situations? Um, keeping jugs of water on hand isn't too much, uh, it doesn't cost much, it doesn't take up a whole lot of space, it definitely lasts a long time, so that's something that you may want to really stock up on as one of your first things. In the blog post, I'm going to go over some non-food items like cleaners and soap and um, hygiene products, but basically it's the things that you really couldn't go without for more than a week or two, you know, things that would become really inconvenient. Maybe medications, if you can get your hands on some extra so that you always have at least a few weeks or a month. I, it can be tricky with prescriptions, but like allergy medications can be on hand, um, Tylenol or ibuprofen, those kinds of things if you use them then you know keep that extra bottle and rotate it out again look at those expiration dates to know if you can buy it that far ahead of time or if you need to wait a little until you're partially through a bottle to buy another one but always trying to stay ahead and the thing is once you build up your store you want to think of that as your baseline so if i have three extra weeks of worth of food on hand then that's my baseline zero um, when i run out of food in the kitchen I don't think, oh, I still have three weeks of food left. I think, oh, shoot, I'm out of food. I need to go to the store and get some more things for the next you know, week. And when I buy those things, if any of them are in my storeroom, then I'm going to try to be swapping those out. So that becomes your baseline. And if you have to tap into it because, oh, no, I forgot to buy the rice, yeah, you tap into that. You're not treating it like some kind of vault you can't go into, but that's your... I need to get more of this um, before you use that. And if you think of that as your baseline or your zero, then it's easier to just kind of not think of that as having extra food in the house. That That is emergency food, you just don't mess with it. It's like having a savings account and if you keep thinking of your savings as also your checking, you're gonna spend it. If your savings is separate and you're thinking of checking as what you have to spend, it's easier to not touch the savings um, and just use the checking. And if you're running out of checking, then you say, oh, I'm, I need to not go to the store or spend this money until I have more of my checking. So that's the goal is to kind of separate it out so that it, it forces you to think about it differently. Prepping is something you can do on a very, very low budget. So if you even just had $5, you can buy ramen noodle packs for $1.50 for a whole box. You can buy water for 69, 70 cents a jug. If you start building up a store of a few simple things like that, then you always have a couple of weeks worth of food just in case something goes wrong. And there are lots of reasons that something could go wrong. It could even be losing your job and you need to tap into that um, emergency food storage because you don't have extra funds to go grocery shopping. It's not just viruses and disasters, and it, it's anything that can go wrong. And just having that rainy day food fund basically is, is um, being prepared for when things don't go the way you expect them to. I don't want this to come across as being some overwhelming process. You can get really detailed and you can do all kinds of, I mean, I have dehydrated food and vacuum sealed it so you can get very complicated in how much you want to do. And then the last thing I want to mention is starting your own backyard garden. 
Back with World War II, Victory Gardens were really popular because it was considered a way of helping support like the economy and your family. And I kind of wish that we could get back to that mentality as a, as a society. Growing your own food is so good. It Not only does it teach your kids a lot about where things come from and to appreciate that stuff, but it really is a skill that's kind of being lost. And the more you practice, the better you get. No, gardening's not just a throw seeds in the ground and everything's gonna come up. Different plants require different things. And sometimes you get really lucky and sometimes it takes you years to figure out what you're doing wrong with a certain plant. And so planting a few simple things like tomatoes or green beans, um, spinach, that kind of stuff, will help you not only learn that skill, but then have a source of food that is in your backyard. And I don't necessarily consider this prepping, but the more I do my own gardening, the more I'm storing my own food. I usually store enough tomatoes to last me all winter, maybe even into the next season. And so you're gonna naturally create those stores of food. It can be a little pricey at first to build your own boxes or get seeds or figure out ways to to store the food like you know canning and things but just go slow pick something to try and start trying to build some areas in your backyard where maybe you can put some seeds in and and see what you get um, i have a few different blog posts on starting simple with square foot gardening and gardening i live in the middle of the city pretty much it's not a huge city but you know it's one of the biggest cities in indiana so um we have a decent sized yard definitely but we're not living in the country we're not farming huge sections of land like i have square foot gardens that i pack my vegetables into and it'd be you'd be shocked at how much i can actually get out of those things and how much they produce that's really all I wanted to talk to about for today on this episode discussing food prep and, and disaster prep. And so hopefully you got a lot out of it. Um, I know I like listening to podcasts that just kind of discuss things I'm interested in. So if you've been thinking about prepping or um, what would you do in a disaster situation, then now's a great time to get started. And don't let this be a one-time thing. Always be prepared so that when the store is completely out of toilet paper or water or bread or whatever people are you know, buying because of a disaster, you already have that storage and you know that you're in good hands for at least a certain amount of time. And then if you feel like you're doing well, you can always expand that. But start small, don't get overwhelmed, and definitely do something because having everyone ready for some kind of an event is better than having no one prepared and then everyone panicking if something happens. So like I've said, get those things that you can put in your pantry and in your freezer. Keep them in rotation. Don't let them just sit there and be forgotten about or you'll feel like you wasted all of that. Um, and try to you know, keep it, I, I just talked about decluttering. This this isn't an opportunity to add more things as much as to just have a few extras of the things that you already use. So try to keep it organized and small and thinking about what you would really want to use for your family. You may not have the most nutritious stuff for disaster food storage, but the goal is to have some things that so that if something happened, you wouldn't be in, you know, dire straits. 
Hopefully this all makes sense and it's helpful. Um, I am going to head out. I have a kid to pick up from school and some kids to wake up from naps. Thanks for listening in and I hope you got a lot out of this.